0: To call to order the regular formal meeting of the Iowa City City Council for February the 19th, 2019. Roll call, please.
1: Cole. Here. Mims. Here.
2: Sully. Yeah. Taylor. Here. Teague. Here. Thomas. Here. Throgmorton.
0: Here. So we're going to. Uh, item 1A is a state of the city speech. We're going to jump over that for a second so that we can get the student <laughs> leadership awards. We have. Two terrific students from Hoover Elementary, Lars Anderson and Lily Lumb. So, if Lars and Lily could come up, as I showed you, we can do this. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it is on. Great. Hi. It's good to see both of you again. Let me stand between you okay so this is one of the great pleasures of being mayor is being able to hand out awards to terrific students at our various elementary schools and like i just said uh, tonight we have two lars anderson and lily lum from hoover elementary so what i'm going to ask each of you to do is read your speeches first you lars and then you lily and afterwards i'll read the award uh, which has exactly the same wording except it has your name and your award and your name and your award Okay, so why don't we begin with you, Lars?
3: Hello, my name is Lars, and I go to Hoover Elementary. I've gone to many countries, and I think seeing the poverty has shaped the way I see this world, and that has made me want to get involved. This is what I have done for my community. I've worked at the free lunch program and sold lemonade to help the shelter house. I've made quilts for the homeless. In Boy Scouts, we have done many service projects. I'm very active at my church, and I often read and usher. Every month in Sunday school, we do service projects. These are some of the things I've done. I hope to do more in the future.
0: Wow. That's terrific, Lars. What what countries have you been to?
3: Um, I think like 10 or 11. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, can you
4: remember the names of a
3: couple? Um, Jordan, I lived there. Um, Canada, uh, recently we went to Italy like three weeks ago. And, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds great. It's really going to benefit, uh, you'll benefit from that uh, for a long time in the future.
3: Okay, now it's your turn, Lily. Can I um, you read your speech? Yeah.
5: Hi, my name is Lily. I want to start by thanking my teacher who nominated me for this award and I want to thank my mom for inspiring me to help people and my family for supporting me. I especially like working with kids in my community at school, church, the local shelters, and around my neighborhood. One of my favorite opportunities has been working as a youth volunteer at the Antelope Lending Library Bookmobile. I read to the children, play games, and organize craft activities. The Antelope Bookmobile gives kids a safe place to learn and meet their neighbors during the summer. It's great to live in a city like Iowa City where there are lots of volunteer opportunities.
0: All right. That's terrific, Willie. The the Antelope Lending Libraries does terrific work, so I'm really thrilled for you that you have a chance to get out and do some volunteer work with them. Bravo for you. Okay, so we have awards to read. And again, the awards say exactly the same thing, except for your names. So, Student Leadership Award. For your outstanding qualities of leadership within Hoover Elementary, as well as the community, and for your sense of responsibility and helpfulness to others, we recognize Lars Anderson, Lily Lem, uh, as an outstanding student leader. Your community is proud of you. Presented by the Iowa City City Council, February 2019. So here's yours, Lars, and Lily, here's yours. So I know there are a bunch of very proud parents out there. I'm pretty sure about that, and proud siblings, and other things like that. So please join me in congratulating our award winners for tonight. All right. Good deal. So you can go on back. Thanks. Okay, it's so much fun to be able to do that. So every year, the mayor reads a State of the City speech (coughs) signaling how our city is doing. It's my honor to be able to do that again tonight. We're going to do a tag team show here. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit. Simon Andrew is going to show some slides up on the screen. And once we get to the point where the slides are relevant, the lights will come down, and we'll be able to see this information a lot more clearly. Oop, the lights are moving all over the place already. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Let's see if we can do this, Simon. Council members, City Manager Fruin, staff, residents, and all others who have an interest in Iowa City. People routinely ask me how things are going in Iowa City. I tell them and I tell you now, the big picture is clear. In general, our city is doing great. It is exceptionally strong and healthy. Here are just a few indicators. The city's population grew to a little under 76,000 people in 2017. At 1.8%, our unemployment rate is the second lowest in the country. The annual average dollar value of new construction in 2018 was the city's third highest in the past 10 years. The city's property tax levy went down for the seventh straight year. And city government's AAA Moody's bond rating, the highest a city can have, indicates your city's finances are being managed exceptionally well. One key reason why our city is doing so well is the high quality of work done by city employees. Open your faucet and high quality water produced at the city's water plant comes pouring out. Flush your toilet and waste flow through city sewers to the wastewater plant for treatment. There's a fire in your house. Who are you gonna call? that's right, firebusters, in the city's fire department. With that in mind, I want to thank all our employees, especially those who have been working outdoors over the last six brutal winter weeks for the great work they do. And I'm afraid that probably includes tonight. (laughs) But indicators and good work do not tell the whole story. Not everyone shares equitably in our city's prosperity. 40% of the school district's elementary school students participate in the free and reduced lunch program, which is a surrogate measure of poverty. And there are vast differences in FRL rates from 93 to 78.8% among our elementary schools. 65% of renting households pay more than 30% of their income on housing. Some Iowa Citians feel threatened because of their race, ethnicity, or faith. And this is demonstrated by posters that were distributed or distributed around the downtown area over the weekend. And I'll have some words to say about that after I finish this speech. Some also find it very difficult to travel by public transit from home to work and other important destinations and we are all called upon to respond to the unfolding consequences of climate change. With all this in mind, our task over the past few years has been to ensure Iowa City continues to prosper while also ensuring that the benefits of that prosperity extend to all our residents for years to come. I could belabor the many ways in which we have tried to accomplish this broad goal. But what i want to do now is focus attention on some of the major actions we have taken over the past three years to create a more inclusive just and sustainable city so simon please join us take please take a look at these images showing up on the screen while i continue to talk all right Good cities are resilient and bounce back from disaster. The best ones bounce back better than they were before. No doubt many of you remember very clearly the devastating flood of 2008. We bounced back from it in several ways. We essentially completed work on a series of flood recovery projects, most notably, construction of the three-year-long gateway project, elevating Dubuque Street, building the new Park Road Bridge, rebuilding the intersections of Dubuque with Kimball and Park Roads and installing a much-needed sewage trunk line under the roadway. We moved sewage treatment capacity from the old North Water Treatment Plant, North Wastewater Treatment Plant, to the South Treatment Plant, and then replaced the North Facility with a new Riverfront Crossings Park. We completed construction of the West Levee south of Highway 6 and we completed buyouts of more than 140 homes in the floodplain almost all of them in Parkview Place sorry Parkview Terrace also far too many Iowa City residents have great difficulty finding residences sorry residen- residences they can afford we undertook major efforts to address this difficulty in June 2016 we adopted the state's most ambitious affordable housing action plan This plan identified 15 strategies to generate additional affordable housing in Iowa City, and we have made considerable progress with regard to almost all of them. We adopted an inclusionary zoning requirement for the Riverfront Crossings District. In fiscal years 2017 through 2019, we directed a total of $2.65 million into a new affordable housing fund and there is another 1 million in the proposed fiscal year 2020 budget 50% of those dollars have been allocated to the housing trust fund which subsequently used some of those funds to help build the recently opened 24 unit cross park place for chronically homeless people we approved an agreement to use 1.08 million dollars of housing authority funds to purchase six units of rental housing in the new Augusta Place development on Iowa Avenue. We amended the city's comprehensive plan to require that 10% of the residential units must be affordable in new developments which include 10 or more housing units and which voluntarily seek annexation into the city. We approved an infrastructure TIF tax increment financing on Foster Road which is likely to generate two to three million dollars over a 10 year period for assisting low to moderate income family housing anywhere in the city. We have also been approving a large number of new mixed use and multifamily structures that by the end of 2019 will have increased the total supply of housing in Iowa City by more than 4,000 units since 2015. This additional supply has been increasing rental vacancy rates substantially and has been, in the short run at least, been putting downward pressure on rents. Far too many people are in crisis due to alcohol or drug abuse or mental challenges. We took major steps toward helping them bounce back. These steps have included, first, ensuring that all our police officers receive crisis intervention training. Second, helping Shelter House construct its recently opened Cross Park Place facility. And third, collaborating with the county, the university, Coroville, and others to facilitate development of a new behavioral health access center for people in crisis rather than have them treated roughly and then taken to a hospital emergency ward or the county jail. Partly because of these actions, The average daily population in the county jail decreased from 109.6 in 2015 to 88.5 in 2017, and I'm not sure what it is right now. We were trying to find out, and we're unable to find out. (laughs) Okay. We also live in a city which, which, like all American cities, has been deeply shaped by racial inequities. We have taken several major efforts to reduce these inequities. Including creating a $75,000 social justice and racial equity grants program, using racial equity toolkits to assess the racial equity of various city programs, diversifying the city's workforce, boards, and commissions, continuing the city manager's roundtable, an annual equity report, and contributing to the civil rights tour of historically black colleges and universities museums, and sites that have been important parts of black and American history. Under the direction of Police Chief Jody Matherly, the police department has been aggressively striving to reduce disproportionate minority contact involving discretionary charges in non-traffic-related incidents and to reduce disproportionality identified in the St. Ambrose University's annually updated traffic study regarding traffic stops, searches, and arrests. Moreover, we stood with our Hispanic neighbors by adopting a resolution reaffirming the public safety functions of local law enforcement and by linking up with other cities to challenge the legality of presidential executive orders pertaining to sanctuary cities. We supported residents who are refugees or immigrants from Sudan, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and elsewhere by joining other cities in court cases challenging the legality of the president's proposed travel ban from predominantly Muslim countries. As could easily be seen in the physical landscape, new private and public construction proceeded at a very lively pace over the past three years. The annual average dollar value of new construction for 26 through 2018 $266 million, was 65% greater than the preceding three-year period. Most of this new construction took the form of apartment buildings, hotels, and mixed-use projects. Many Iowa Citians asked me whether so many new apartment buildings are needed. After all, rental vacancy rates have increased from about 1.4% in 2015 to 4.4% in 2017, and maybe as much as 7% now. But it is also true that the city's population has grown by about 10,000 people. That is 15% since 2010. These new residents have needed good places to live, and we anticipate this growth in population will continue. In addition to projects mentioned earlier, City government completed several major public works projects, most notably the First Avenue Railroad underpass, which has greatly increased accessibility for businesses and residents in the southeast side of the city, and renovation of Washington Street and the first phase of the pedestrian mall improvements downtown. We have also changed or begun changing rules pertaining to development in two key parts of our city. In response to the State Legislature's 2017 preemption of local authority, as well as to ensure a healthy balance of rental and owner-occupied units in neighborhoods located close to the University, we developed a new rental permit cap program and strengthened the minimum requirements for rental housing. We are also crafting new rules for the area near Alexander Elementary which will enable us to develop a diverse and walkable neighborhood containing missing middle housing while also streamlining the overall development process. With the help of the Historic Preservation Commission and property owners, we also took major steps in preserving our historic heritage. This included improving nine approving, nine historic district rezonings, preserving the Unitarian Universalist Church, and hiring a consultant to inventory historic structures downtown. Last fall, the consultant recommended that we nominate downtown Iowa City for listing on the National Register of Historic Places and that we work with interested stakeholders on the possibility of establishing a local historic preservation district for part of downtown. High-quality public schools, are necessary for a thriving city and healthy neighborhoods. We adopted a resolution supporting the Iowa City Community School District's bond referendum, which has led to the construction of Alexander and New Hoover Elementary Schools, the first new such schools in Iowa City since 1994. Likewise, the school district has completed a superb addition and renovation at Longfellow School, and with considerable input from city government, has been making excellent progress toward completing additions and renovations at Lincoln, Mann, and other schools in Iowa City. Global climate change has been producing warmer temperatures, stronger winds, changes in plant communities, more frequent and intense severe weather events, and flooding. With great help from a steering committee of dedicated volunteers, Last September, we adopted a Climate Action and Adaptation Plan which maps a pathway toward reducing carbon emissions generated within Iowa City by almost 30% in 2026 and 80% in 2050. Greatly assisted by MidAmerican Energy's big shift toward wind energy, we have almost achieved the 2026 goal already. We also adopted a new Master Parks Plan and a new Bicycle Master Plan, both of which will help us reduce carbon emissions, adapt well to a changing climate, build more vibrant and walkable urban core, and foster healthy neighborhoods throughout the city. Work on the parks has included completing the first phases of Riverfront Crossings Park and improving Happy Hollow, Pheasant Hill, and other parks. Looking ahead to the remainder of 2019, We are collaborating with neighboring cities and the university to initiate a much-needed study of public transit routes and hours of operation. We expect to revise and strengthen our Affordable Housing Action Plan. We will finish work on the Ped Mall improvements downtown, build an extension of McAllister Boulevard from South Gilbert to Sycamore, and initiate the first phase of a new public works facility on Sand Road near Trubud Park. This new public works facility will include a substantial, a substantial array of solar panels for generating carbon-free electricity. We will also make steady progress toward achieving goals in the Bicycle and Parks Master Plans, including completing four- to three-lane conversions on Clinton and Madison Streets and completing renovations at Creekside and Willow Creek, Willow Creek Parks. We will make final decisions pertaining to the Pentecrest Gardens Project at 12 Court Street, and much more. As this quick overview indicates, we have accomplished a great deal over the past three years, and more will be done over the coming year. But as the poet John Dunn wrote, no man, or woman, no man is an island entire of, it- of itself. The same can be said about a city. Like all cities, like all other cities, Iowa City can be thought of as a node in a global-scale network of links through which people, goods, services, energy, materials, capital, information, environmental nutrients, and social relationships flow. We are, therefore, inevitably affected by the global economy, by transnational movements of people, by changes in the global climate, and by actions at the national and state levels. For the past two years, actions taken by some political leaders at the state and federal levels have threatened to undermine the values that make Iowa City such a great place to live, especially its openness, diversity, inclusivity, and spirit of democratic engagement. As a result, we have been challenged to adjust at least temporarily to new realities, without losing our moral compass. And yet there's cause for optimism. Your city is doing great. And we, even as we passionately debate about local issues, we Iowa Citians have demonstrated a very strong desire to strengthen bonds of community across racial, ethnic, religious, and political divides and to stand strong together in solidarity with everyone who is at risk. Last year, I closed my speech by encouraging us to lead with love. And by leading with love, help build the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.'s beloved community right here in Iowa City. Let me close tonight by showing you a few photos which provide good reasons to believe we are doing just that. Let's keep it up, and thereby ensure that Iowa City will thrive long into the future. Thank you. Okay.
2: Very nice. I didn't even realize all this.
0: Can you get it? Thing's, I'll read it that way. Okay. All right. I didn't know I was going to have to make these two additional comments right now, but I think they're appropriate. Uh, they have nothing to do with the state of the city speech. Uh, but uh, I want to comment on the two dozen posters displayed displaying a hateful anti-immigrant message which were found on kiosk and signposts in downtown Iowa City on Saturday. As we have said many times, as our council has said many times in public and resolutions and proclamations and I don't know what else, many many times, Iowa City is firmly committed to being a safe and welcoming place for immigrants. We have been and are committed to working with the immigrant community, immigrant advocacy groups, and other community stakeholders to make clear that acts of hate have no place in our community and that iowa city can be trusted to protect all its residents from those who would cause them harm i hope you all understand some things are out of our control things happen but we are as a group of people as a city government as a council committed to those things i just mentioned the other thing i wanted to mention is that Uh, Just a few days ago, I noticed that a former mayor of Iowa City died about four months ago. Uh, He was a man that I, I did not know of. I have never met. He died at the age of 93. His name is William Hubbard. So I want to say just a few words about him. I understand he graduated from City High and the University of Iowa and was the youngest mayor in Iowa City's history when he served as mayor in the mid-60s. He was around 40 years of age. According to his obituary, Mayor Hubbard worked successfully with the university to keep the anti-war demonstrations nonviolent, and his legacy from that time includes the city's first fair housing ordinance, outlawing racial discrimination in rentals and ownership, the city's one-way streets, which we're trying to turn around, (laughs) the Lee Recreation Center, and the Pedestrian Mall. So that's pretty interesting to learn about just by reading the old bit. So I uh, uh, send out my condolences on behalf of the council and the city. Condolences to Mayor Hubbard's family. Okay. Item three is a proclamation, but it, I'll just tell you what it is. I won't read the proclamation because there's no one here to accept it. It's Iowa Honey Bee Day. We're doing this in coordination with the governor of the state of Iowa and with cities all around the state of Iowa. I can tell you we revised the language just a little bit to make it sound more like it's from Iowa City.
6: <laughs> uh,
0: but it's being done in, collabor- in collaboration with the governor and other cities and other parts of the state. Okay, so now we can move to the consent calendar, which is items four through nine. Could somebody uh, move adoption of the consent calendar, please? So move. Moved. Second. Moved by Mims, second by Soleil. Discussion. Hearing none. Roll call, please.
1: Cole. Yes. Mims. Yes. Soleil. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Frogmore?
0: Yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Okay, this brings us to the community comment period. This is a moment when anybody who wants to address any topic that's not on the formal meeting agenda should feel free to come up and speak to us about that topic. Uh, I just ask you to state your name and take not more than five minutes. So would anyone like to speak to us? Good evening, adieu. Good
6: evening, evening, first. I very pleased when I heard uh, mayor talk about uh, Iowa City is diversity city and it is a good place to live but uh, still I feel that is some places still has discrimination and not deal good with uh, immigrant for example the housing authority. The first thing I don't like when you apply for housing, they ask you to bring your statement, the bank statement, and this consider a private. And I believe this just like invasion to your privacy. To see what at least you can ask for the average the average of the your statement or the balance for the whole year but you can't request statement for the individual who apply for housing the other issue i believe also is wrong when you apply for housing and if your doctor recommended, you have to have this for your safety. And the city, the housing authority, they don't like to respond to what the doctor said. And also, this is if they refuse this, I consider it just like discrimination on public accommodation. Otherwise, the city is good. But some individual, they make it not good, and make some immigrant not happy. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Adil. Anyone else? okay seeing no one else we'll turn to item 11 which is planning and zoning matters item 11a rezoning 2130 muscatine avenue this is an ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 0.155 acres of property located at 2130 muscatine avenue from community commercial cc2 to high density single family residential rs12 I'm going to open the public hearing. Good evening, Danielle.
7: Good evening, Mayor and Council, Danielle Sissman, NDS. And I apologize if my numbering doesn't match yours. I might have been working off an old agenda. We're on the right agenda item, though, this evening. This is a uh, proposed rezoning of 2130 Muscatine Avenue, approximately 7, or 6,750 6, square feet in lot area, located on the corner of Muscatine Avenue, Muscatine Avenue and 2nd Avenue adjacent to the Walgreens store. is the former France Pest Control offices. The applicant in this case is Anderson Construction. They are considering purchasing the property from a bank due to foreclosure. Um, The lot is currently zoned community commercial, CC2, and it's at the westernmost edge of the larger Towncrest commercial area. Um, community commercial is intended to provide for uh, major business districts to serve a significant segment of the total community. It's typically characterized by a variety of retail goods and services. Um, it can also include uh, multifamily housing over uh, and above those uh, first floor retail uses. It's expected to generate larger uh, traffic volumes and be generally located along major thoroughfares. Um, The surrounding zoning for this property is largely RS5 or low-density single-family and the requested rezoning would designate the property for high-density single-family residential use which would permit freestanding single-family homes uh, similar to the surrounding neighborhood as well as duplexes and townhomes with certain setback design and access provisions. Little background on the proposal: the applicant has expressed a preference to renovate the existing structure as a single-family house, um, perhaps to, re, uh, to perform a historic rehabilitation um, uh, to allow it to qualify for uh, state aid in, in that vein. However, if the structure, the structure is currently bank-owned due to foreclosure and has been vacant for some time, and it's likely to need uh, in need of serious repairs, so alternatively, the applicant is considering redevelopment of the property as a duplex. Uh, So staff did evaluate the applicant's goals and review the existing zoning and uh, evaluate potential rezoning classifications. The first thing we did was look at the existing commercial zoning. So under the CC2 zoning, it's fairly impractical to redevelop uh, for modern commercial use, primarily because of the restrictions on the property for setbacks for the parking areas, as well as restrictions in our code for how far away from the property lines the building needs to be for surrounding residential zones. So this exhibit is just an estimate that we uh, worked through as kind of a thought exercise for the amount of available buildable area for the parking lot in the building. So once you subtract out those required setbacks, you're looking at a fairly small buildable area, and then estimating the amount of land that would need to be allocated for parking for any commercial use, um, kind of at the average standard. Really, the building uh, could only be between 500 and maybe 1,000 square feet in area, which is fairly small for any kind of modern commercial use. Uh, We did also staff look at, then, the potential rezoning classifications in the single-family density districts. Um, So the question would be, why RS-12? The largest constraint on this particular property is the size of the lot. Um, RS-12 is the least dense residential zone possible to allow for redevelopment of the site into a conforming duplex or even a conforming single-family detached home. Uh, We've looked, again, approximately at the buildable areas available if the building were uh, oriented either towards Muscatine Avenue or to 2nd Avenue, taking setbacks into account. And there's a much more reasonable amount of buildable area in those cases for that kind of development. We did also evaluate the future land use uh, implications in the Comprehensive Plan. The Iowa City Comprehensive Plan identifies this area as general commercial development. However, the plan does include goals um, promoting infill ensuring that infill is compatible with the neighborhood, and providing for a transition between high and low density uses, such as commercial areas and residential zones. It's located in uh, the Central Plan District sub-area, sub-area B, where there are additional goals to promote um, uh, reinvestment in those areas and to remove obstacles to reinvestment. Staff does feel like the uh, current commercial zoning is an obstacle to redevelopment of this uh, property. Here are some images of the existing building. You may be familiar with it along Muscatine. Some views of the surrounding neighborhood, which are looking directly up the street, across the street, <coughs> and down the street. As part of the rezoning, we evaluate traffic access uh, implications, um, traffic, amount of traffic, access, to street design. Essentially, this would be a down zoning from a more intense commercial district to a single-family zoning district. Um, So the traffic generation would uh, is assumed to be less um, because it's a corner lot, it has access from both uh, adjacent streets. There are currently no existing sidewalks as part of the street design and staff is recommending a condition that would uh, require installation of sidewalks with redevelopment. So in summary, it's a small corner lot. It's not suitable currently for modern commercial infill uh, due to the required uh, setbacks for the building and for parking. Uh, We feel that the rezoning to a high-density single-family residential uh, designation would conform with the uh, rest of the block, as well as the intent and stated goals of the comprehensive plan, and there would be no traffic or infrastructure concerns at this point. At this point in the process, we're in the orange uh, category here, conducting the rezoning process going through both Planning Commission and uh, the City Council. The next steps, if this were to move forward beyond this application, would be primarily staff-driven. There would be a design review based on the Town Crest design overlay and a site plan review, depending on what kind of um, development is actually uh, eventually proposed. So, based on staff's analysis, the proposed rezoning is consistent with a comprehensive plan, compatible and or complementary with the existing neighborhood and would not overburden public facilities. Staff did recommend approval of the application to the Planning and Zoning Commission with one condition regarding installation of sidewalks. At its January 17th meeting, the Planning and Zoning Commission's motion to recommend approval of the rezoning failed by a vote of three to three. Issues of concern for the commission included the lack of a concept plan and therefore uncertainty about the neighborhood compatibility of potential redevelopment, and also that no neighbor input on the proposal had been sought by the applicant. In addition, some commissioners felt the applicant should have hired a historian to conduct an intensive survey of the building to determine its historic significance. Um, The applicant has chosen to continue through the rezoning process. Um, To address the Planning and Zoning Commission's concerns regarding uh, neighborhood input, the applicant did hold a Good Neighbor meeting on February 11th. Um, They did file the city's Good Neighbor Program guidelines. One neighbor attended that meeting and the results are summarized in your packet staff continues to recommend approval of the application with the one condition as noted and i'd be happy to answer any questions
0: thank you danielle any questions for danielle
8: with the parking requirement could you explain that a little bit more detail as it stands right now how many parking spaces would have to be there if they were to have a more uh, uh, commercial use or rebuild it
7: so currently it's a fairly undeveloped um, arrangement. It has a driveway with some pull-off areas for stalls, um, very kind of informal. If it were to be redeveloped to a modern standard, that would have to change to um, a more traditional striped, curbed uh, parking lot area with the required setbacks. Typically we use as a, a use category, kind of the average, uh, depending on the zone. Mm-hmm. Um, so one space for every 300 square feet of gross floor area. There's a minimum requirement of four parking stalls, even with that four, analysis. Four. So, if you look at the design of the parking, whether it would be angled, parallel, or by any degree of angle, and the required access aisles, there's a kind of estimate that we use for how much of a footprint the parking would take up. So, anywhere from, I think the slide said 1,400 to 1,600 square feet foot, foot simply for those four parking stalls and the aisles to get to them. So,
8: the other question I have relates to. Um, You know we have some neighborhood commercial for example on summit um how how, how does the neighborhood commercial um differ from the the community commercial in terms of could you put a little restaurant there or a little cafe or something like that so
7: that would uh, the neighborhood commercial designation would drive the uses that would be allowed the site would still suffer from the same constraints of being a small site so the parking demand would still be the same they'd still be working with a small lot It would just be if you had a different uh, retailer or different type of use that would be the difference between neighborhood commercial
8: yeah, and neighborhood commercial is
0: a separate designation
8: it's a, CN1 would be a different okay. zoning
7: designation okay. right?
0: Other questions for Danielle?
9: Has there, has there been any um, involvement with staff in terms of looking at the question of the historic significance of the structure?
7: It's not a property that the Historic Planning Commission identified independently as one that they would study and propose um, any kind of historic preservation for. As, as you know, uh, owners of property can undergo that you know on their own behalf. Um, it would depend on what this you know, the survey revealed whether i think that the historic planning commission would feel that it was significant and want to participate in any kind of designation of it that's not the applicant's intent their intent is simply to be able to qualify for uh, state and federal tax relief or funds to promote the historic renovation but not necessarily designated as historic for a historic uh, overlay in the
4: city.
8: Was there any exploration of possibly putting that into a conditional zoning agreement to ensure that if it was rezoned we would have a historic because that sounds great but I want to make sure that it was
7: discussed at the Planning Commission but since it's not the applicant's intent uh, they did not the Planning and Zoning Commission did not take that action to make it a condition of the approval.
10: I know the weather's probably been prohibited, but has there been any more uh, looking into whether it can be preserved, what the condition the really is of The applicant does building? have
7: some photos of the interior to share with you tonight, so I'll let them address that okay. for you.
0: And the Historic Preservation Commission sometime within the very recent past compiled an inventory mm-hmm. of buildings that it thought were top priority in terms of preserving.
7: And this was not on their list. This was not on that list, right? Yeah.
0: Do we know anything about its age or who we, lived there? No, at Any this point like
7: we don't. We know what the assessor's website says, but that tends to be kind of a default date that they use sometimes. So it's not as, we'd need a historic inventory to know more.
0: Mm-hmm. Other questions for Danielle? Okay, thank you, Danielle. Uh, would anyone else like to speak about this topic? Like, I don't know, perhaps the owner, if the owner wants to. Please just you know when you come up, state your name yep. and say whatever whatever it is you want to say.
7: Just okay.
4: All right, I'm uh, Ben Anderson. I'm, I'm the applicant for this uh, property. I'm not currently. I am under contract to purchase the property. Um, depending on this outcome, um, the intention would be to. Uh, hopefully restore the existing structure um, as it is. It seems to be structurally sound. We haven't gotten um, too far into it. It is, as you can see, in pretty bad shape. Um, Everyone knows they drive by it all the time. There's holes in the roof for years. Um, I really think it's uh, structurally, it's pretty sound. The foundation seems to be in good shape. Um, There would be some We've had some asbestos surveys done. Um, I had spoken with a historical um, representative that uh, Jessica Bristow had connected me with. There's some preliminary stuff that they had found. Um, I wasn't really quite certain if I wanted to go down that path yet. Um, But my intent would be to restore it as it's As it is now, um, we have, this is kind of an idea of what we would kind of propose if the structure is in fact not capable of being um, rehabilitated. Uh, Just a simple uh, home that would fit within the neighborhood, just a bungalow is kind of what we had in mind. Um, Definitely would be within the limitations of the proposed zoning. Um, and then this is some ideas some p- photos of other projects that I've done um, but like I said the ideally we'd like to rehabilitate the, the property um, initially wanted to buy it and be able to build a retail area of some sort because I feel like the neighborhood could use that there was really no other way to um, no way to do that. Given the size of the site, I was told that the we would have to basically do underground parking to make it feasible financially.
8: Is the parking the primary obstacle at this point?
4: Yeah, I think because the it's on a corner, you would have to have two entrances, and it would that would eat up such a large portion of it. Um, even as it was, they if we just rehabilitated the structure as it was, that it would be too too tight, and I. And the, um, the neighbor, one neighbor came to the our meeting and she was mainly just concerned that it would be anything other than residential. The parking in that neighborhood is an issue for her and um, especially along 2nd Avenue.
2: Have you shared your plan with the planning and zoning?
4: Um, so what I was kind of under the impression that this was going to be a slam dunk, so that's why we didn't do a neighbor meeting. Um, that's why we didn't do a concept plan that seemed really hard to do, a concept plan of with the intent of um, just rehabilitating the property. I think they were concerned that there would be no controls over what we could do um, if we were granted the, the new zoning. Um, that's kind of what I took from that meeting, but. Well, I have not shared any of this with them yet, but
0: the other projects you showed that are your projects are they located in Iowa City?
4: I I've done I uh, built seven or eight houses here in Iowa City and Coralville, and I also work worked in Colorado, where we lived before.
11: Mm-hmm. Are
0: any of the ones you showed images of? Yes, this City?
4: one is in. Um, uh, Rochester Ridge and the others are in Colorado. So. Uh-huh.
0: Okay, thanks. Any other questions for Ben? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to address this proposed rezoning? All right, I don't see anyone else. So, because there was a 3 3 vote, Well, I don't know. I guess this would be true anyhow. So, I need to know whether you are inclined to vote in accordance with the Planning and Zoning Commission's recommendation that is, to deny the rezoning. If you're not, uh, if you don't want to agree with the Commission, uh, then we would continue the public hearing in order to allow uh, the possibility of consultation with the Planning and Zoning Commission. So, uh, to give you a, all, make sure we're all on the same path here. I am inclined to, I am not inclined to support the planning and zoning commission's recommendation. I think we could move ahead with the proposed rezoning.
2: I agree.
8: I agree too, primarily because I want to talk to the planning and zoning and have that discussion.
0: All right. So that means we will not close the public hearing, but instead we need to offer a consult with the planning and zoning commission. So I need a motion to defer to uh, March the 12th. Is that right, or what? So. Or. Next
12: meeting. To the next,
0: next meeting. Next meeting. Yeah. Okay. I move
2: I? to defer it to the next meeting. Okay. Second.
0: Moved by Soleil, seconded by Memes. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And public hearing,
8: right? To the public hearings. Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, all in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. All right, moving on to 11B, rezoning east of South Gilbert and west of Sandusky Drive. This is an ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 18.03 acres of property located east of South Gilbert Street and west of Sandusky Drive from interim development multifamily residential IDRM zone to planned development overlay low-density single-family residential OPD RS5 zone, planned development overlay low density multifamily residential OPD RM12 zone, and planned development overlay neighborhood public OPD P1 zone. This is second consideration. Could I have a motion to give second consideration, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Thomas, seconded by Soleil. Discussion. Hearing none. Roll call, please.
1: Mims? Yes. Yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor?
2: Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Fred Martin?
0: Yes. Call. Yes. Motion carries 7 to 0. Item 11C, rezoning at the northwest corner of Moss Ridge Road and Highway 1. This is an ordinance conditionally rezoning approximately 3.2 acres of property located at the northwest corner of Moss Ridge Road and Highway 1. From Interim Development Research Park (IDRP) to Highway Commercial (CH1). Again, this is second consideration. Could I have a motion for that, please?
1: So moved? Second.
0: Moved by Mem. Second by Teague. Discussion.
8: I was a little hard on this project before, um, so <laughs> you're just that kind of guy. I, right? I, I was. I was a little. I was a little difficult. Um, but, you know, Jim, I think you had made a, a comment sort of offhand about, you know, the potential for it being more than, if it's the same one I'm thinking about, more than just a gas station. It's not necessarily guaranteed. I'm really hoping that um, that this can be essential infrastructure to support, hopefully, the adjacent area for purposes of development. And I'm also hoping that it won't just be a gas station, that they will seriously evaluate electrical infrastructure um, so maybe we could have a little bit of innovation there. Um, so I think they've done a lot of great work. I, you know, just had a little concern about that proposed concept, although even that's not guaranteed. So I've come around.
0: Right. Any other discussion? Hearing none. Roll call, please.
2: Salee. Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Rod Martin. Yes. Cole. Yes. Yes.
0: yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Item eleven D. Zoning code amendment related to minor amendments to address inconsistencies. This is pass and adopt. Could I have a motion to pass and adopt, please? Move. Second. Moved by Soleil. Seconded by Thomas. Discussion?
8: Still have concerns about the facilitating of the alcohol sales. I think that's going to be a problem in the neighborhoods.
0: Any other discussion?
1: No.
0: Hearing none. Roll call, please.
1: Taylor? Yes.
8: Teague?
0: Yes. Thomas? Yes. Morton. Yes. Cole? Yes. Mims? Yes. No, I'm sorry. Yes. No. Corrected to no. Okay. motion carries 6 to 1. Item 12, Gilbert Street Intersection Improvements. This is a resolution approving project manual and estimate of cost for the construction of the Gilbert Street Intersection Improvements Project, establishing amount of bid security to accompany each bid Directing city clerk to post notice to bidders and fixing time and place for receipt of bids I'll open the public hearing
3: Good evening Scott good evening uh, Scott overs senior civil engineer uh, This project generally includes the replacement of traffic signals and pedestrian curb ramps at the intersections of College Street and Washington Street um, also included is the uh, roadway and pedestrian level lighting uh, new 12-inch uh, water main um, on Gilbert Street between College and Washington Street. And then also uh, roadway and pedestrian level lighting on Washington Street from Lynn Street to uh, Van Buren. Uh, in terms of the, the estimated costs and schedule, the estimated construction cost for the project is 960000 mm-hmm. um, On the schedule, we're having the public hearing tonight, uh, receiving bids on March 26th, Our wording at the April 2nd council meeting and then construction will start uh, Later in April and be finished up uh, by December
0: Scott pardon me. I just have to interrupt a little bit I I just noticed there's an accidental uh, error at the very top. It says American
3: Legion Road improvements. My apologize. I apologize that uh, should have been Gilbert Street intersection improvements project At this time I'd be happy to uh, Address any questions you may have
0: all right any questions for Scott? We've had
8: some discussions earlier on about um, road diets on Gilbert. This doesn't affect
3: our ability. Should we choose to go forward to that in the future to engineer that? Correct. We are setting up the traffic signals to be able to do that conversion if we decide to, if we do, we that. Decide to do that.
0: How much of the roadway, if any, will be torn up by the uh, the water line?
3: Sure. So. Because of the existing utilities that are all um, outside of the roadway, we're having to locate the water main under um, the new or under the existing um, roadway section. Um, so we're taking out one travel lane and replacing it with new paving to be able to do. Okay, get the so new still other main. lanes will still be open. Huh? That's correct. Yep. Okay.
0: All right. Any other questions? Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Would anyone else like to address this topic? Okay, seeing no one, I'm going to close the public hearing. Could I have a motion to approve, please?
1: So moved. Second.
0: Moved by MEMS, Second by Soleil. Discussion? Hearing none, roll call, please.
12: Here. Thomas? Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Thomas? I've done that once, too, Bruce. Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> oh,
2: sorry.
6: Yes. Sorry. Yeah. What's
2: Sorry, who?
0: Bruce. Doug <laughs> This is where I'm supposed to say something like, yay, yeah. or something.
13: <laughs> Cole? Yes. Um, Nims? Yes. fully
2: yes. yes.
0: Taylor? Yes. Motion carries 7 to 0. Item 13, Willow Creek Park Improvements. This is a resolution approving project manual and estimate of cost for the construction of the Willow Creek Park Improvements Project, establishing amount of bid security to accompany each bid, directing city clerk to post notice to bidders, and fixing time and place for receipt of bids. I'll open the public hearing. Good evening, Julie.
13: Hi, Julie Seidel Johnson, Parks and Recreation Director. I'm here to introduce you to the Willow Creek Park Project. Uh, We had our neighborhood meetings last summer at the party in the park out in this park. Um, And the idea with this one is a renovation of the shelter, restroom, and playground space uh, with an emphasis on inclusive playground space. So I'll walk you through. Um, some of the items. This is what it looks like right now our kind of our older shelter restroom combination that we have in a few parks still. And then you can see the playground is one of our older playgrounds. Not much equipment there, very linear with not much in between. Um, the new plan takes about the same footprints. So we minimize the number of trees that will be damaged or need to be repl- uh, taken out. Um, the playground area stays in about the same spot as the current playground but this is much larger with uh, different nodes so i'll get to those in just a minute but there's about four different play zones within the playground area the restroom is a single um, single stall Family restroom. It has room for a larger changing table since the playground is uh, designed to be more inclusive. We want to have a changing space for individuals with a a range of abilities or disabilities. Um, That stays at the same site where the current restroom and shelter is so that we minimize the amount of uh, sewer and water that had to be moved. And the shelter moves slightly to the north so it's in between the uh, playground and the uh, restroom. Playground itself, as I said, has different nodes. And I want to mention that the color choice is slightly different than what you see here. Uh, It'll have some uh, yellows and oranges in it as well. It's called Carnival is the color selection we're going with. Uh, But the main area has some climbing features. It'll have a poured in place solid surface underneath with accessible paths all around the playground. Um, You'll notice this kind of area at the top. is oh I guess my pointer doesn't work out there. There's a little quiet area. One of the things about being inclusive, we hear from a number of families that have children that have sensory uh, needs or have get oversensitized quickly at a playground. They need a quiet place. So this playground will include kind of a nice little circle space with landscaping around it that will have a, a seated, seating spot or climbing if you want to do a little climbing, but or then get away. Um, then we have the, the active play area in the center. Um, we have a swing area that will have two banks of swings, um, two of them being the expression swings, which allow parent-child uh, swinging, uh, looking at each other as they swing. Um, and then finally, the first area is actually a music area, um, and it has different musical instruments to play. And, and that has actually will have concrete underneath because it's not a climbing surface. Um, it doesn't have to have the playground surfacing underneath, which makes, makes it highly accessible to a, a large range of people. Um, so we have kind of a nice mix in all of those. Uh, This is the the drawing of the restroom. It's very similar to what's being put at Creekside Park and not much different than Happy Hollow, except the finishes are slightly different than Happy Hollow. Um, And then the shelter is very similar to what is at Happy Hollow and Creekside. They both follow the the master plan guidelines for design. Timeline, uh, bid letting in March, award in April construction starting by April 15th, uh, final completion by September. So that means that the Willow Creek part of the Willow Creek Kiwanis Park Complex will be closed most of the summer for this construction project. Um, Depending on how it's staged, we may get the playground open sooner or later. Depending on how we can get that stage since they're kind of in separate areas of the park um, We are bidding it with three bid alternatives One is the split face block on the restroom and shelter, which we've done in, in a couple recent projects um, Installation of play equipment what that means is that um, Whether we or not we will have the uh, construction company put the play equipment in versus our own staff our own staff can do it Um but we'll, we'll see what the price is for the installation by the contractor. And then uh, furnishing and installing all the site amenities, the benches, uh, the um, trash receptacles, those sort of things. They will be a part of the project. We're just not sure if they'll be part of the larger project or done separately by our own staff. So with that, I'll answer any questions.
1: When I looked at the, when you laid out the first drawing, showing kind of spatially. Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't know how much flexibility there is, but when I first glance at that, one of my concerns is it looks like the shelter is right in the line of sight between the playground and the restroom. And for parents that can be a concern. I mean if you've got a child that's kinda old enough that you can send off on their own, you don't need to go with them, but at the same time you want to be able to keep an eye. So it's just something to I don't know how much flexibility you have on where that shelter goes. So
13: some but not as much due to there's a number of memorial trees right there so that's kind of part of why it's sitting there remember it'll be an open shelter though so you'll be able to see through it Um, but I, I, I get your concern okay thanks
10: and did you say it's going to be closer than it is now? Because the restroom now seems to be quite a ways away from the playground area. But
13: The restroom stays actually in the same oh, location where it is now. So it's the same distance. Um, that was a trade off for cost because the, then we don't have to move the sewer or water lines, right. the, the utilities for it.
8: So this is only on the Willow Creek side, and it will not affect, for example, the community garden on the Kiwanis side? Correct.
13: This does nothing within the Kiwanis part of the park. This also doesn't go as far in as the stream on the Willow Creek side. So this is a very limited project area, just the restroom, shelter, playground, and then additional paths for accessibility.
0: Other questions for Julie?
13: It's going to be a really fun playground can't
9: wait <laughs> uh-huh. yeah but you have your own playground uh, yeah hmm. mm-hmm. so the the poured in place uh, surfacing is in the active correct where the play structure is
13: yeah
9: yes is that we- the first where do we have poured in place we have it in the Ped mall the
13: Ped mall um north market square has the tiles tiles uh, yeah. tiles i want to say that's it okay. for for the
0: Okay, thank you, Julie. All right, anybody else want to address this topic? <clears throat> Seeing no one, I'm going to close the public hearing. Could I have a motion to approve, please? Move. Second. Moved by Slay, second by Thomas. Discussion? You know. I
2: just want to say that this is the first park I went to when I came to Iowa City. I really like it. I met a lot of people that, you know, become long-time friends on that park. I, I I really like that park. And a lot of people on the west side use that park. Yeah, And looking forward to like this uh, new development. And also, I guess well, I was concerned that because it cannot be shut down all summer, and the west side, mm-hmm. they don't have, like, really a lot park. That will bring up the concern of thinking of another park on that area, too. But I think this is really awesome, you uh, idea to improve that area. And it will be fun. Everybody will like it.
10: I also had concerns when you said it would be closed most of the summer because I just live up the street from it, and it's, it's busy. It's very, very busy at all times, no matter what the season or weather. Uh, it's always busy, but uh, Kiwanis maybe will get a little more use that way, and people hopefully, uh, if maybe they don't know Kiwanis is even there. Hopefully they'll, they'll yes. use that until this gets opened. And I, I was very happy. John mentioned the uh, port-in-place surface. I was very happy to see that you're, you're going to give that a try for that park, and that's, that's, that's a great idea. And also that uh, minimal tree removal, because there's beautiful trees. I think when your tree study you did recently showed thousands of trees, I think, in Willow Creek, which is amazing. It's it's a very busy park for, for uh, trails also.
8: Pauline, you had mentioned a lot of people don't know that Kewanee Park is even there. Well, I, I was one of those people until relatively recently um, when you and I had, I think, done a listing post out of Kewanee. Um, both Willow Creek and Kewanee, I, I really think they're some of the most spectacular, beautiful parks in the city of Iowa City. Um, so if you haven't been out there in the public, um, you know, wait until, obviously, Willow Creek is done. But check out Kewanee. These are spectacular parks, and it's very easy to sort of take it for granted. Major kudos to staff, too. I think we're really getting investment in our parks throughout the city, um, which I think is very important, and I'm really looking forward to seeing some of these other parks come online, um, like Creekside, this summer. So um, great work.
9: Willow Creek really is a beautiful park. It really has a nice extent to it and the tree cover. Um, It's a very lovely park. Susan and I were at a listening post there this past summer and had had a chance. When they
1: were doing the... For the park, <laughs>
9: yeah, we're doing the workshop yeah. for the park, and um, so it's, it really is a beautiful place. And The Porton Place will certainly um, increase access. Uh, this, this is a structure which has a little bit more, from what I could tell, uh, ground level access and activity. So, I, I think, um, in terms of ADA access, this has a very high level of access. So, that's that's another special thing about it so yeah it looks things are looking good for willow creek
0: any further discussion okay hearing none roll call please
2: thomas yes rod martin yes Cole? yes jims yes salie
10: yes.
0: yes taylor yes T. yes motion carries seven to zero item 14 sjre grant allocation for fiscal year 2019
2: just i just I want to ask the attorney if I, you know, my my organization is one of the people who applied for this, and even though they are not one of the recommended organization for this, I still, I do I still need to recuse myself? Okay,
0: Okay. This is a resolution adopting the social justice and racial equity grant allocations for fiscal year 2019. Could I have a motion to approve, please? So
5: moved. Second.
0: Moved by Thomas, second by Cole. Stephanie?
5: So this is um, a resolution to approve the recommendations from the Human Rights Commission for the Social Justice and Racial Equity Grant for FY19. And the Human Rights Commission is recommending that eight of the 26 applicants uh, be funded at the uh, full amount that they requested in their applications. And those organizations are the Iowa Harm Reduction, the Refugee and Immigrant Association, the University of Iowa Labor Center, Inside Out Reentry, the University of Iowa Mood Disorder Center, Shelter House, Access to Independence, and then Neighborhood Centers of Johnson County in a collaboration with the South District Neighborhood Association.
0: Okay. Uh, does anyone want to ask Stephanie any questions?
12: So out of the total, it seemed like it was um, probably some great applicants that had submitted. Um, and I can only imagine the difficulties of trying to you know, uh, narrow it down to who would be awarded. Um, the agencies that you've selected, um, just because I know a lot of them and the work that they do, Um, seem like there, you know, will be great applicants uh, to really move forward the mission of the uh, social justice and racial uh, equity grant. Um, I guess my question would be to you, like overall, you know, with this experience, um, um, can you give us a little insight of the process that was taken um, to get down to this uh, to this group?
5: Sure, so um, the commission meant in early um, January, and that's when the applications were distributed to the individual members. They then had, I would say, 10 to 14 days to read all of the grant applications that were received. They were then asked to rank them on a scale of one to 26, because there were 26 um, applications received, with one being the highest. They then sent their um, rankings to, to staff. And then we t- averaged those amongst the seven commissioners who participated, we had two that had conflicts. And then the rankings, there should be a graph in the, the handout, but mm-hmm. the rankings were um, switched so that 26 kind of became the, the number one. And if you, were, if you received a score of one, then that would, would be the lowest ranking that um, an organization Um, could receive so um, the Commission uh, met in this space on January 24th and they discussed the the applications and they um, discussed the the rankings and there was some adjustment that they did do um, because they did want to fully fund organizations versus partially or half funding organizations Um, and so they they voted and this is what we have in front of us this evening Thank to answer you. your question, so, yes.
0: it sounds like a daunting challenge to go through 59 applications. 26. 26. 26. 26. Well, 59. I, I I thought I read somewhere 59 organizations applied for a total of 399 thousand dollars.
5: So I think that's probably how they're numbered in the system when they apply. Yeah. The system never starts back at one. So so each year we we sure. start where we left off the prior year. So the 59 is probably. Um, Start I think we had 28 applications last year, so we started at 29, and then that probably went into the 50s, if not the 60s.
0: Okay, so, so. I want to correct my own notes. So it's okay. like 28, you said. 26, 26. 26. this year.
5: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and do you remember? Maybe you already said this, but what was the total amount of money they applied for?
5: So it would be seventy-four thousand four hundred and twenty-one dollars. No, that's so.
0: that's okay. the limit. I mean, because oh, we were allocating oh. 75.
5: You right? want the. The total, ooh. Yeah, I mean oh. if you know it, if you don't. know do I, I do, do I that. have it 387-612, so
12: <laughs> is that the number you're wanting? Uh,
0: uh, hmm.
1: 388.
0: 387, yeah, 387 612, 612.
1: Yeah. Okay, thank you, perfect, thank you. One of the things I would like to do, and not tonight, but, and, and maybe, and I'm not sure the best way to do this between you, Stephanie, and Jeff, and, and whoever, but, there was obviously some pretty serious discussion within the committee, within the commission, um, about the allocations, things like, you know, should should an organization get money two years in a row? And some people felt they shouldn't, some people felt, well, it's a totally different program, so, you know, that's just fine. Um, some individuals were concerned about the diversity of the board of directors, whereas me personally i don 't care about the board of directors. I want to know about the diversity of the people who are being impacted by the grant but there's just there was a number of things like that that I got the sense and I think some people even said it directly the way it was put in the minutes that either they needed more direction or they needed more either they needed more direction from us or they needed to have more discussion before the next time as to how they were going through this so I guess I would like, from staff's perspective, whether we need to have more discussion at the council to give them more direction, um, or whether you feel, you know, they can handle it with their discussion. I mean, I just, I, I read some things in there that concern me,
5: and so. So the the commission actually met this evening, okay. and so they're um, each participating in a survey where they're giving feedback on the process and their thoughts for this allocation period. And then they'll hold a work session um, later this well, in the springtime. Okay. Um, well, they're dis- they'll discuss, you know, some of the, the concerns that you saw in the minutes. Okay. Um, and I think um, that they obviously want it to, to fund everyone, but they can't. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not an easy process. And there there were a lot of discussions about. Um, who has been funded in the past and who should be funded moving forward. And this is only the the third year that the Commission has been working on making the recommendation to City Council. So so I I think from the first year to this year was a a big improvement, and I think you'll continue to see those improvements. And I think it's just a a matter of them, you know, coming together. you know, each year they learn, and, and the application has changed. The process has changed over the years to reflect um, some of the the difficulties or challenges they've had. So the the work session minutes would definitely be shared with the city council, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously it's your prerogative. But you could wait to elect to to take a look at those minutes to see okay. if there may be more in the ballpark of where you're wanting them to be. You know, that's an option. One of
8: the things that jumped out to me is it seems like there were some organizations that are already getting funds through our block grant process. Like, so, for example, I think we already have funding for Shelter House. Mm -hmm. Um, Did did that come up as an issue as far as that goes? And then the other thing with the block grant discussion we've had, we've always had this discussion of sort of legacy funds, more, more institutional versus sort of startups, for lack of a better term. How did that play out? It seems like most of the grants that occurred in this case were more sort of institutional Mm -hmm. um, recipients. Would that be a fair characterization in the sense that they're sort of full-time nonprofits as opposed to someone wanting to hold a community banquet that may benefit certain communities?
5: So the application does ask whether they've received funding from the city in the past five years. Okay, Um, It asks for if they've received funding from the city for any program. And then it asks specifically for the program that they're applying for for the grant. And my understanding from listening to the commission um, speak, they evaluate them based upon whether it's a new program um, or a new initiative for a particular organization versus looking at the, the other things itself. that the organization may be doing. Okay. So, so it was part of the discussion. And it's just kind of an individual um, evaluation as to how they rank it based upon um, that information. Okay. Thank you.
0: So, thanks, Stephanie. I'm not inclined to second-guess the Commission on their recommendations. They they put a lot of work into it, and I appreciate that greatly, so I don't want to second-guess that. I think it might be very helpful, picking up on what Susan said, I think it might be very helpful if they could identify specific questions they think we should answer for them. You know, they've experienced the process. They have insight into it. Okay, so what do you need clarity about from the council? It would be very helpful if they could provide that. I noticed, too, and, again, I'm not going to second-guess the commission. I noticed that, the, that Shelter House requested funds to, quote, revitalize the clinic and replenish needed supplies. And when I was looking at the um, um, criteria for the grants, I noticed that funding requests for operational costs are not covered by the grant. So that it puzzles me that, you know, uh, needed supplies sounds like operational funds to me. That said, I'm not going to question it. I just observed that so maybe the commission can come to us with questions that we need to answer. I would agree, John.
12: I would also say that there might be some things that we have that we could offer to the commission or even discuss amongst ourselves. One of the things that I noticed with, uh, and I this is what um, Rockney talked about, uh, the many of the organizations are not-for-profit there. They've been granted funds before. I, when I look at some of the organizations that um, applied, one of the things that I've noticed um, is that some of these organizations actually don't have uh, routine funding sources, um, whereas they don't have a service where they can get, uh, like, grant from something, or they, it's not a service that they, that they can get uh, funding for, and so that, you know, for me would um, just let me know that there might be some things that counselors might want to, you know, just throw out there um, about, you know, what can potentially be some of the criteria for selecting some of these individuals.
0: And we can do that later I, on. Yes, after
12: absolutely. Yeah, later on.
8: And I think to Susan's point, you know, in terms of further discussions, I think it would be fun to have a um, an Orville Townsend-type conversation that we had had with the Community Police Review Board if they had select a couple of their members and come to us and have that sort of same collaborative process, so there's a little bit of real-time feedback to the extent people are interested. I felt that went well, really well, and um, you know, we're gonna, on agenda item 16, gonna discuss one of the improvements made with other community members, yeah. so that'd be my it, suggestion. It, that makes
0: sense to me. <clears throat> okay, any other questions for Stephanie? Yeah. Thank you so much. You. Okay, anybody else want to address this topic? Okay, uh, seeing no one else, so um, how about council discussion? You have
10: it, yeah.
0: All right, we already had it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, all right, roll call please. Throgmorton? Yes. Cole? Yes.
10: Mims? yes. Mims? Yes. Taylor? Yes. Teague? Yes. Thomas?
0: Yes. Motion carries six to zero. Uh, so I am um, recusing yourself. All right. Item 15 Animal Services. This is an ordinance amending Title 3 entitled Finances, Taxation and Fees, Chapter 4 entitled Schedule of Fees, Rates, Charges, Bonds, Fines and Penalties, and Title 8 entitled Police Regulations, Chapter 4 entitled Animal Services to clarify recently enacted animal service provisions and to change the amount of the scheduled fines for certain animal services violations. This is first consideration. Could I have a motion for first consideration, please?
1: So moved.
8: Second.
0: Moved by Mem, second by Cole. Uh, Does anyone want to address this topic?
12: Why don't we have Chris, would you mind coming up for nothing else, an introduction to council, for those of you that have not met uh, Chris Chris. Whitmore. She's our animal supervisor,
0: uh, animal services supervisor. Chris what's your last name again? Uh, Whitmore. Thank you. you want to so, her, just how a... are you doing? Good. How are you? All right. So how are things going out at the animal services? We're very close. Mm. We would like to have <laughs> spring. Mm. I got to tell you good. I have a dog and two cats that came from the shelter oh, good for you. All right. and two cats before that. <laughs> there you go.
13: <laughs> good. Good. Everybody else can come and adopt too. We have plenty of animals down there to adopt.
8: I would, but we'd probably violate city code if we were to do
12: that.
1: You <laughs> just need to get a permit. I, I won't say <laughs> how many
12: I have in my house. <laughs>
8: we
1: can get you set up for a permit.
8: It's the legal limit. That's all I'll say.
12: <laughs>
0: okay. Good. Well, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming. And Thank you very much. Thanks. I think we'll probably take a vote here. Okay. All right. Any council discussion? Uh-huh. Hearing none. Roll call, please.
10: Cole. Yes. Mims. Yes. Salee.
12: Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Thomas.
10: Yes.
0: Broward. Yes. Motion carries seven to zero. Item sixteen: Community Police Review Board amendments. This is an ordinance amending Title Eight, Police Regulations, Chapter Eight: Community Police Review Board, to provide for changes in procedure and enhance opportunities for conversation when the conclusions of the police chief and the board differ. This is second consideration. Could we have a motion for second consideration, please? I
12: move. Second.
0: Moved by Teague, seconded by Soleil. Anybody want to address this topic? Okay, seeing no one, council discussion?
8: I just want to reemphasize for the people that didn't hear our last meeting um, this is the product, I think, of true citizen council collaboration. We had Monique Galpin and Orville Townsend come in, who are members of the Citizen Community Review Board, and they gave us some substantive discussions. We had an excellent dialogue, and as a result of that collaboration, I think we have a more effective board. So I would really like to see this as a model for future collaborations with other boards, and I'm really proud of the work that both Orville, Monique, and and the board did, as well as the council in terms of working with them. I would second that.
0: All right. Saved. Smiles and nodding heads. Mm. Yes. OK. Any further discussion? Seeing none, roll call, please.
10: Mims? Yes. Salee. Yes. Taylor? Yes. T? Yes. Thomas? Yes.
7: It's Rod Morton.
0: Yes? Yes. Motion carries 7 to 0. Item 17, Moss Ridge TIF ordinance. This is an ordinance providing the general property taxes levied and collected each year on certain property located within the Moss Ridge Urban Renewal Area in the City of Iowa City, County of Johnson, State of Iowa, by and for the benefit of the State of Iowa, City of Iowa City, County of Johnson, Iowa City Community School District, and other taxing districts, be paid to a special fund for payment of principal and interest on loans, rebates, grants, Moneys advanced to and indebtedness, including bonds issued or to be issued, incurred by said city in connection with the Moss Ridge Urban Renewal Plan. This is second consideration. Could I have a motion, please? So moved. Second. Moved by Mem, seconded by Thomas. Discussion. Hearing none. Roll call, please.
2: So Yes. Taylor. Yes. Teague. Yes. Thomas. Yes. Frogmorton. Yes. Cole.
0: Yes.
1: Mims.
0: Yes. Motion carries 7-0. to zero. All right. Item 18, council appointments. We have, where did it go? We have one vacancy to fill, Board of Adjustment. Yeah, we have one applicant to fill an unexpired term with no gender balance requirement on the Board of Adjustment. One applicant is Ernie Cox. Uh, any objection to appointing Ernie
12: Cox? I just wanted to point out that um, Ernie has been on several yep. you know, previous boards, but he's the only applicant right now.
1: I saw human rights. He, has he been on something? He was, else on, was
12: on human one? rights. and. Um, oh,
0: I, uh, I think that was the only city. city. Oh, is there, that the only one board. for
12: the city? Okay, yes.
4: Yeah,
1: that was my concern as well. As we've tried to
4: mm-hmm.
1: get people in who haven't done things before.
0: I didn't note when his term expired on human rights. Did you?
10: How no, long really? ago he was on that?
12: It, it didn't know. state it here. Mm. And I'm not sure if this is a um, it, one that we get lots of applicants for the board. No, we don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't.
0: It's so an important board. We get just enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure.
9: I'm
4: fine really with, with important
12: it. Board.
0: All right. Uh, okay, no objection, huh? Sure. Okay, so could I have a motion to appoint Ernie Cox to the Board of Adjustment? Move. Second. second. Moved by Soleil, seconded by Thomas. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. All right, let's see. Announcement of vacancies. Previous. We have one vacancy to fill an unexpired term upon appointment to the Telecommunications Commission. Applications for that position must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, March the 5th, 2019. We have one vacancy to fill an unexpired plus 3-year term upon appointment to the hu- I don't understand that. <laughs> to the Housing and Community Development Commission upon appointment. I already said that. So the application for, for that position must be received by 5 p.m. Tuesday, March the 5th, 2019. I want to take a break there. Why is it that that, that kind of appointment is being made? Yeah,
13: if there's less than six months left in a term, ah. we do the unexpired plus a full. Ah.
0: Okay. Thank you. All right. And we have one, two vacancies to fill five-year terms on the airport zoning board of adjustment. One vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Historic Preservation Commission for East College Street and one vacancy to fill a three-year term on the Historic Preservation Commission for the Jefferson Street District. These vacancies will remain open until filled. Item 20, community comment. Gustav, would you like to speak?
11: Hi, Gustav Stewart, uh, student liaison. Um, first off, I want to thank uh, Mazahir and Rockney for the City Council listing post. It was great, a good discussion, at least I thought.
0: How many people showed up?
11: Um, it was 6, 7, though there was a lot of snow that, that night, so I'm guessing that, that hindered a lot of people. Um, and then I also wanted to mention Wool Creek Park. Um, I'm excited about that, I grew up right next that, by there. Um, I always remember um, playing there as a kid and had a super fun time playing soccer and just enjoy seeing that. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to let you all know about a community event that um, a university group is putting on called uh, Gathi Raho. I might be mispronouncing that, um, but essentially what it is is February 23rd, um, Saturday at about 6, 6.30 PM. Um, it'll be in Angler and it's a South Asian acapella group. The Indian Student Alliance is putting it on. So you'll have um, South Asian a cappella groups from all of over the country, from what I understand. So it's a cool event. Um, check it out if you can. Um, yeah, thank you. Great.
0: Thank you, Gustav. All right, which gets us to City Council information. And through a quirk of scheduling... We're going to start with you and move to the right.
1: Fine. Um, I just hope everybody's surviving the cold, snowy, icy weather. And I don't know what it's going to look like when we head out there tonight. I think it's supposed to start at 9. Um, yeah, nine. <laughs> so maybe we can all get home then before it before it hits. Um, other than that, uh, I had the opportunity to go out to San Diego for a conference related to work, and it was not as cold as here, but not as warm as I had hoped it would be. Um, but it's always nice to travel other places and see how they do things. Um, and one thing that they have is they call it FRED, and it's a free ride service that is really interesting. It's really built on it's on the chassis of... Um, uh, like a golf cart okay but with like six seats so you got three three rows of seats so you can have five people plus the driver. What they are trying to do is primarily for tourists in like the downtown San Diego area mm-hmm. and what they're trying to do is avoid having tourists uh, using taxi cabs or driving their own cars around the city because depending on where you're going it can be far enough that you don't want to walk. Mm-hmm. And um, they told us about the hotel, you just download the app on your phone and you can call for Fred the, the free ride. And we used it uh, coming back from the, the beach area where we were um, to the hotel. So it's interesting how innovative um, different cities are getting with different kinds of services that they might use. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have some of the same issues there with the electric scooters and stuff seeing them kind of laying around on the sidewalks. Um, I think a lot of cities are finding that issue. as the companies yeah. are coming in. It's just people getting done with them and just it's dumping double. them. Um, so that's kind of an issue. But it was a great time, and I always enjoy enjoy San Diego when I get the chance. So Other than that, uh, I mentioned Access Center earlier, so not a whole lot else.
10: Well, we had an, another uh, wonderful employee recognition event uh, this past week on the 15th. Uh, just went to show uh, what a wonderful group of employees we have working for the city and their tenure. It's amazing, 30, 35, 40 years. Uh, is, is pretty amazing, and there was some good food also. Uh, that was on Friday. And on Saturday, I attended an event at the library put on by NAMI. Uh, it was called a collaborative mental health event. Uh, and it was very informative, and I was uh, glad to see two of our police officers actually attend it uh, because it really made me proud of what our city has done to support uh, many aspects that relate to mental health and uh, how supportive we are of the vulnerable members of our community that, that suffer from mental health illness. And, and uh, just some of the, even the uh, speaker mentioned our city a couple times on, on the crisis intervention training and things that innovative things that we're doing as a city so that that made me happy and proud uh, upcoming uh, Saturday March 2nd is the crisis center uh, pancake breakfast um, they, it's always a fun event and they always have elected officials helping to serve that's early in the morning till like one in the afternoon Uh, And Sunday, March 3rd, maybe you'll mention this, the soul food dinner uh, coming up at the Robert A. Lee. Maybe you have a little more information on that, but that's always a really wonderful event with lots of good food. uh, Also, um, uh, uh, soul food dinner, they call it. And then I also want to take the opportunity to congratulate, although the men are playing tonight, but congratulate the uh, women's, Iowa women's basketball team uh, on their great win the other uh, evening over Maryland, um, being tied for first place in, uh-huh. in the conference for uh, many, many years now. So, But I, what impressed me was interviewing the coach as well as the players the theme of, of teamwork and how important it is that there's no one real star, although there's one that's outstanding, but I think so. everybody could learn from that, that, that you really are stronger together and working as a team is more important. So that's what I got from that. Mm-hmm. That's all.
12: Great all right actually most of my things have been canceled due to weather (laughs) but i was able to attend the um a neighborhood meeting the south district meeting and one thing i wanted to just point out about the south district meeting then uh, the enthusiasm by the uh, attendance there were it was astounding it was uh, very inspiring and looking forward to some of the things that are coming up Um, i saw that they were granite uh, some funds through the um the the social justice fund and so um that's uh very pleasing um i did attend the employee um uh celebration and it was amazing uh the oldest well the longest employee uh that was being recognized uh, had have been with the city for forty five years and so that is A long time so congrats to all of those that um, had milestone employment years Um, and I I even talked to some that weren't recognized and still there were a lot of longevity of uh, city employees that um, very impressive Uh, this Saturday I'm going to be going to a UAY event um, for LGBT it's going to be at Tate School and so um, that's going to be a great event to attend um, and then on Monday there will be at 5:30 on the 25th um, the big reveal uh, launch party for the the crisis center, and so that'll be interesting to hear and learn about. So that's all I have for now. If nothing else gets canceled. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, first, I really want to shout out to the University of Iowa. For the group movement, uh, movement of keeping the labor center open for the next five year, we saw that today at the press release, and I guess this is will go to the board of region on the 27 and 28. Hopefully, it will be approved too. Uh, that's really uh, something made me very happy to keep like such great uh, labor the labor center, so that because that's really helping a lot of people in this community. Uh, second thing is. Uh, I guess the listening post, I'm going to leave that to Rockney because I guess you have the notes mm. and you can report on it. So much and uh, also on the 21st, Thursday, Day, I guess we have Iowa City Federation of Labor going to have the, uh, the Iowa City chili Federations. Chili. Federation's Yeah, the Kelly on and uh, everybody invited to come. And um, what else? Yes, the good news that I've been selected by the Arab, in Arab Institute of Washington, with the with the Department of State to go to Tunisia with along with another nine elected officials around the country to go and teach or uh, share our experience with the Tunisian City Council well, cool. because right. after the, after the Arab Spring movement. You know, Tunisia had new kind of government. They're just trying to do the government the way that the U.S. do it. And, you know, just like we're going there so we can share our work and the way that uh, how they can become transparent and all these kind of things. And also, next to you uh, next Saturday, I guess. No, it is on the 2nd, March 2nd, I'm going to Chicago also to speak uh, for, uh, uh, you know, IOCT. No, hold on. Let me tell the <laughs> remember the name. It is uh, Fair Trade Campaign. I'm representing Iowa City Fair Trade Campaign. One of them. We going there for a big event in Chicago, and this is Barton uh, with the University of Iowa. Yes. So that's hey, all with I have. To Tunisia. Thank you. Thank
5: you.
8: Well, Pauline, um, you t- took my uh, event, the Soul Food, oh, so. But let me, just second, let me just second the Soul Food. If you've never had an opportunity to go to the Soul Food event, it really is, and I'm telling you, it is the best food you will ever eat. And, you know, I often thought, wouldn't it be cool? Uh, I think it's Black History Month this month, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I always thought, gosh, I wish I could have met some of the civil rights leaders of the 60s like I'd give anything and then it really occurred to me we do have living legends right now in the city of Iowa City one of them works for the city of Iowa City Henry Harper and of course the other is the um, Royce Ann Porter recently elected supervisor of the board of supervisors and so we do have these living legends in our community that are also tremendous cooks and they're a lot of fun and there's always a lot of good conversations so I'm really hoping to see you all out there um, Sunday, March 3rd, um, from 5 to 9th, Robert A. Lee. So I will second that. Um, I'm going to take one thing a little out of order. And, Jim, if, if I can't bring it up now, I can bring it up next week. But um, work session topics, a little bit out of order. But I've been getting a lot of feedback on this question of what happened with Lucky's, details related to that. Oh. Um, so I would like to have a, a short discussion on that. I know our TIF agreement is with the developer and not with Lucky's. Um, but we've been getting a lot of questions, and I think it would be good to have a discussion on that about where we stand, if nothing else, just an update. Um, a lot of people relating to that uh, have also brought up the concept of, like, a food hub or to evaluate that, what we have in Cedar Rapids. Obviously, we can't talk about that here for open meetings purposes, um, but I would like to at least get that on a work session um, if, into the if future. If I could, Rockney, one yeah. easy
0: way to do it is to ask the staff to prepare a short memo providing those details about the tiff agreement and how lucky's did and did not fit into it yeah and Then it becomes part of an information packet yeah. and then we can talk about yeah
8: it. and i wanted to get that in before but I, but i didn't so in any event that's a little bit out of hand um so and so we, we'll get that with staff and so in terms of the um discussion gustav is right we did not have a lot of people at our listing post but we had a lot of really good topics sometimes the smaller the group the more substantive the discussion um, Affordable housing came up as a topic. And, you know, we all talk about affordable housing, but I think for a lot of students, this relationship between affordability and students, are they eligible um, to to petition for some of these units? What role does, and when I mean affordability, we're talking about traditional affordability in the sense of, do you qualify for some of the affordable housing units? That was a topic that was brought up. Are students eligible? And people have talked about some of the special eligibility criteria. So I think in terms of our outreach to the university, maybe in contact with Gustav, I think we really need to keep on that discussion. Um, One of the things that came up that I was not aware of is this question of composting in multifamily units. And I actually – do we we have composting in multifamily units? Is that something that's on the agenda? That strikes me as – it's important. not mandated. Okay, it's not mandated. One of the students had brought up that as a big concern. Um, who knows? You know, we fought for a long time on recycling in multifamily units. Maybe that's something on to the future uh, that we can look at. Um, one of the students reminded, and I think it's good for, to remind all the audience out there, um, with salt on sidewalks, we love to have safe sidewalks, but do try to get the pet-friendly um, salt. Uh, one of the students had brought that up. It can be very painful for the dogs especially it is a little bit more expensive um, but but do try to do the best that you can as far as that goes um, that was that was primarily uh, what our focus was but it was a really good discussion we did not have what was that
2: the parking
8: parking came up as an issue how did, exactly did it come up I forgot
2: like most of the people live in the downtown area the, you know the, the owner of the building they don't have like really parking and they have to go and park far away from the street.
8: That was an issue, especially as it came down to the concept of the shuttle, is that people were really feeling there's still a need for sort of the late night shuttle service in terms of our public yes. busing. And so we said, of course, that we do have the busing transportation study. I know staff is aware of that as an issue. There is the night ride service that's available, mm-hmm. but the students are really identifying as, um, as as not really feasible in some cases. I think there's, the times are limited with that in terms of when it's offered. But So as we do that housing study, I think looking at and collaborating with the university I think will be very important. And finally, um, it was a really good discussion. I think we always hope that we can have this more productive conversation with students in the city, um, and it doesn't happen as much as it should for a variety of reasons. Um, but this was certainly a, a very productive exchange, and um, gee whiz, we're always we're always ready for more meetings, Gustav. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you can invite some of these other counselors over there, and we can continue these conversations. So it was, it was a very good discussion.
9: Well, every, everyone covered things I was about to say, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Thirds on the uh, employee recognition potluck, that was a great event. Uh, really nice sense of community among the, the staff. Uh, seconds on the labor center, uh, that was uh, such extraordinary good news. There was so much effort that went into that um, effort to try to save the labor center, and it was successful. So that, you know, bravo to everyone who participated in that. And uh, the women's basketball, I happened to make it to that Maryland game. Oh,
0: get out of here. And,
9: uh, boy, it was an electric atmosphere. It was really exciting. Uh, They have one home game left. It's uh, March 3rd. I encourage anyone interested in, as you said, Pauline, team basketball, uh, and they play
8: it well.
0: Nobody's mentioned the men's basketball team yet.
8: <laughs> had a few good, a couple of
0: nice too. shots there at Fighting. the end. Yeah.
10: Doing well. Yeah,
0: so I won't mention them.
4: Thank you.
0: <laughs> but all right, sure. so uh, I, I won't repeat, uh, you know, the, the good things that y'all have already mentioned. I uh, will bring up a couple other things. Uh, I attended the League of Women Voters 99th birthday party on the 14th. The 14th, hmm, Val- Valentine's Day. I don't know about the timing of that, but. Uh, and while there, I witnessed a really outstanding one woman play by Jane Cox performing Susan B. Anthony. It was just an extraordinary performance by Jane. I also participated in a dinner with other Fulbright, Fulbright Commission grantees and witnessed a brilliant performance of Letters from Iraq at Hancher by a oud an Oud player. And a, six, a sextet of string um, instrument players. I don't. I, I forgot. I didn't write the oud player's name back down. He was just amazing. And the, these. He wrote this music based on letters from people who lived in Iraq under several different conditions, all of which were pretty bad. And as he talked about how the music came out of those letters it was really moving it was really just amazing to listen to the music and hear him talk about it as well just great on the 28th I'm gonna attend the Solarized Johnson County success story and also on the twenty eighth, 28th, 28th I intend to attend the Chamber of Commerce's annual banquet and lastly I would like to invite Hoover student Lars Anderson to come up here right, af- right after we finish the meeting. I'm going to bang the gavel and say, you know, mm-hmm. all right, we're done. Why don't you just come up and walk around behind uh, this podium, okay? All right, so that- I'm done. Jeff, nothing. Mm. Nope. Nope. No. Oh well, there we go. So, can I have a motion to adjourn, please? Move. Second. (laughs) Moved by Slay, second by Cole, all in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, motion carries, we are adjourned.